I felt depressed. I was sick. I even kind of burrowed myself in a little bit when I should have probably reached out for help a little bit sooner from some outside sources. So I think we all kind of get our heads down. Oh, I don't want to let anybody know about the deal. And I said, no, I've got to take responsibility. I got to step up. And besides taking care of my investors, I got to really dive into this and try to save what I can out of the deal. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by Women Building Wealth Membership Group, the complete proven step-by-step -step course to guide women from novice to confident investor. To learn more, go to womenbuildingwealth.net. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Scott Carson. Scott, are you ready to rock? I am ready to rock and honored to be here today to share my worst ever investment with your amazing audience. Scott Carson also known as The Note Guy, has been an active real estate investor since 2002 and is solely focused on the distressed mortgage and note industry since 2008, where he buys and sells non-performing mortgages directly from banks and hedge funds on properties all across the country. Scott is the CEO of WeCloseNotes.com, an Austin, Texas-based real estate firm. He has purchased over half a billion dollars in distressed debt for his own portfolio and purchases assets in over 30 states across the United States, while also helping thousands of other real estate investors make money along the way. He is a highly sought after speaker on distressed debt, marketing, and raising private capital. He has also been featured in Investors Business Daily, The Wall Street Journal, and Inc.com. Scott is also the host of the popular podcast, The Note Closers Show, and provides regular content across his YouTube, Facebook, and other social media channels. An avid sports fan and reader, he spends his free time attending sporting events, concerts, and traveling to new places. Scott, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. You know we have uh, it's been an interesting role here the last 10 plus years uh, you know we got started as a previous mortgage banker jp morgan chase and then uh started a mortgage company with a buddy of mine back in 2004 was very fortunate to have really kind of a four-year apprenticeship not only on the mortgage side but i learned about distressed debt from a, a very active investor who taught me the ropes i also had another uh, mentor of mine a private investor of mine who learned a lot of money I made a lot of money from the RTC days in the 80s. And so fortunate for me, I've had some really good mentors. I've got an amazing team and even more amazing students out there that are doing some amazing things. So Now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So I will tell you this, in real estate, uh, no matter what type of real estate investing, whether you're fix and flipping, you're a landlord, or you're buying distressed debt like I do, you're not going to bat a thousand. You're not going to hit everything hit for hit. And the way I approach real estate investing is I'm not really trying to hit home runs. I'm trying to hit plenty of singles and doubles and triples and those kind of things. Especially when you buy distressed debt like I do, you never really know which exit strategy you're going to run down to. You never know what the borrower is going to do, whether they're going to 
try to reperform or you're going to have to foreclose on the borrower or you're going to have to try to work out some sort of cash for keys where you're giving money to the bar to walk away. You know, it, I, I like to make the joke here that every note deal is kind of like its own country Western song uh, with what we see here in the States. But the beautiful thing about what we do is you can still learn a lot about our independent borrowers on the mortgages that we're buying through a lot of due diligence, checking out the properties, actually reviewing uh, the loan files or the collateral files and things like that. So this deal I'm going to be talking about is a, a portfolio we bought in Chicago, or as I like to joke about, call it Crook County or Chirac, okay? Chicago, Illinois, um, obviously a big market. I had bought in Chicago before. Uh, I bought anywhere from an individual note to large portfolio of like 175 to 200 notes or assets in it. And this particular portfolio was brought to me by a uh, Wall Street broker that I've dealt with, bought assets from before, bought loans from before. And it was a portfolio of 11 uh, properties where we were buying the mortgages. So 11 mortgages in this portfolio in Chicago, it was all by one borrower or uh, one lender, the hard money lender. And based on the pricing point of it, we were doing our due diligence, we were pretty excited to be picking something up at really around 45% of value. We were buying it at roughly uh, 60 cents on the, the balance of the loans, but based on what we pulled values, we thought we were in a much better rate and that the, uh, the, the bank that we were buying it from, the lender that we were buying it from had already started some of the foreclosure process it's a bit of a, a, you know, we were aware that it could take about 12 months to foreclose in Chicago, in Crook County, as I like to say, make the joke about it. I'll get to that in a second, why I call it Crook County. But for all intents and purposes, we get this portfolio, looks like it's occupied. We look at the values. Uh, I was actually flew to Chicago, was teaching a class there, and two of my closest friends that were also very active note investors. The three of us actually went out and drove the properties. We looked at them, which I don't necessarily do with all the other assets that I buy because I'm buying in a variety of states. So I was like, oh, this is a nice three bedroom, two bath. It's been rehab, a brownstone building. Oh, it's like we got a 10 unit apartment complex above some retail. We were pretty excited about this deal. And all in all, we figured the value to be somewhere around, you know, two, two million plus conservatively. Our funding amount was roughly about 900 grand. We knew we were going to get about 1.1 funded just for what we thought would be initial uh, legal fees. And they thought we'd be in the deal for 18 months. Well, unfortunately, that is not the case because if it, if it was the case, we would not be talking about this deal right now, right, Andrew? And so I usually use other people's money most of the time when I'm buying deals because we're buying stuff. It, lever it allows me to leverage their investments across the place. Well, this deal, I did raise a large chunk, 75% of the funds from other investors, but I also put over a quarter million of my own money into the deal to get the deal closed because I thought this was such an amazing deal based on what we saw on the upside. Went out there, touched it, saw it, spent the afternoon walking around the neighborhoods. I wasn't scared. Being a white guy in South Chicago, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. These neighborhoods are really good through gentrification. It's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. And... You know, we talked with some of our investors and they were excited about the deal too. They saw the same due diligence we put up, the values, the comp, uh, what I mean by comps, comparables from realtors. We saw the loan files were, were pretty clean loan files, but it turned out we just had the worst tenants from hell. 
than the assets. On this specific deal, we actually had one investor per each asset for the most part. They funded a big chunk, and then I was in a junior lien position across the board with my quarter million. So they were invested in one asset. Each one was in one asset. You know, they I had a couple guys that partnered up to be involved in one asset because they knew each other. So it was all individual joint venture deals uh, with the asset manager or uh, with the uh, the investors on it. They were all, I guess you would consider them accredited investors as well. They've all done real estate before. Some own a lot of property. Some is in the, in the you know, trading, oil and gas reserves. All, you know, all credit investors, you know, based on their own experience and things like that. So that's kind of how we structure it. I had a couple of people that came to me that weren't credit. I was like, this is not the right type of deal for you. We'll put you in a different one. Okay. Because we expected this, like to say, take 12 to 18 months based on everything. Unfortunately, like I said, uh, we just, we had a couple of borrowers from hell and a couple of tenants from hell that we drove into things. Uh, one of the biggest assets there, the borrower drug closure out to over two years. Um, we were able to foreclose on a couple of the assets in a quickly time frame, but then we had to obviously, since we had a lot of costs taking place, I was forking out a lot of extra costs and attorney fees, paying taxes. We, we knew the number on the taxes before we got into the deal, but the borrowers started trashing the houses out when they would leave. They would, I guess, alert their friends or the tenants in place and would come in and trash the houses out. Uh, in, in one particular property, we rehabbed it three times and it got re-trashed out. We would evict one tenant and we offered up all the tenants to just renew their leases. And, and what happens is when you buy the debt and there's an existing lease in place or you buy the property, the existing lease is nullified. Well, we didn't want to kick them out. If somebody was paying their rent and willing to pay the rent, we want to keep them in the property. and Unfortunately, they wouldn't prove up their existing leases. They wouldn't talk to our uh, process servers and things like that. We actually had one bar pull a gun on a process server twice. And then it, it just went from there. The tenants then started leaving the water on. Uh, when one moved out, we would put metal doors on the properties on the first floor. Somehow they ripped those off and stole the copper. I got a phone call from the city of Chicago in the middle of the winter that there was an ice skating rink down the driveway because somebody had gone in, ripped the copper off, and it was literally just running water down the street that kids were playing on it in the neighborhood because it was their own personal icy slip and slide. The attorney, the foreclosing time frame in Chicago is not good. Uh, our attorney that we took over informed us since we were out-of-state owners that the sh they wouldn't necessarily side with us in a foreclosure case. They'd like to side with the tenants or the borrowers that were living in the area. So on multiple occasions, our foreclosure process was delayed 30, 60, 90 days because the judge kept giving the tenants or the bars extra chances to come to the table with money, extra chances to stay in their property. And so what we thought turned in, we thought we'd be a 12 to 18 month process turned into a 36 plus month process. After 18 months, I just started paying off my investors. One of the big things in real estate, when you know you've got a bad deal, what I love that has saved my butt on more than one occasion is if there is a bad deal, I am working constantly other deals, other note trades, other assets. And so I don't just focus on like 11 assets. I have uh, several, you know, 100 assets that we're working through at any given point. So as I would sell another asset off, I went to the borrowers, not the borrowers, I went to actually my investor said, listen, this deal is going to drag on longer than expected. Let me go ahead and get you taken care of. Let me get you bought out of the deal. You know, you're in for 100 grand. 
let me make four payments of 25 grand. Make sure you get your investment back of 100 grand plus interest and get you taken off out of the deal. That money came from me, my profits on other assets, on other deals. I wanted to make sure and take care of my investors. And they, you know, I'm like, listen, and I was, they were aware of everything as I was giving monthly updates. You know, we would get really excited and then the judge would set it back. And my attorney, even when she was like, I can't believe this happened again. I can't believe this happening. And like one of the, the tenants sued me in federal court and the judge just kind of laughed and threw that out. But this is after he'd had an initial nine months of staying in the property, basically rent free. And so that's what I did. I just made the point like, listen, I know I've got to take ownership of this asset. Let me just go ahead and get people refinanced out. They were, you know, and that's the thing about when you're dealing with investors and other people's money, they can understand things go wrong. Communicating and keeping them abreast of the situation and having a solution to help them if you can. That's what a lot, especially in real estate, do you have a solution um, in case something goes wrong. And that's what I did. I brought the solution and said, listen, I'm going to get you a refinance out. I've got these other assets or these other properties that we're selling. Here's my percentage of what, or here's my profit, these margins, which I'm just going to write the check over to you or send the wire directly to it. Correctly, you know, someone let me make payments over 12 month period. And we just, you know, I thought I'd be making a quarter million to half a million and I lost over a quarter million of my own funds. I felt depressed. I was sick. I then like I I even kind of burrowed myself in a little bit when I should have probably reached out for help a little bit sooner from some outside sources. But I think we all kind of get our heads down. Oh, I don't want to let anybody know about the deal. And I said, no, I've got to take responsibility. I got to step up. And besides taking care of my investors, I got to really dive into this and try to save what I can out of the deal. And so by choosing to do that and reaching out to some of my friends and other resources in an area and saying, hey, I'm having trouble with a deal. Can you help me? Versus, oh, everything's rosy. You know, it allowed for me to kind of take a deep breath, relax, help me deal with the stress a little bit because I was able to kind of have a, not the, quite the resolution I wanted. It didn't go the way that I expected it to, but at least I had some sort of resolution to get this deal done, get my investors taken care of so that at least they could say, hey, Scott took care of me, you know? Yeah. Got out of a deal that went south. He took care of me. I know he ended up taking it on the chin. But the thing I keep in mind here too is like, okay, I've always got more deals that I can do. I'm always prospecting. I said, yeah, it's going to stink for 12 months after this as we're paying things off. But, you know, I'm going to come out better in the, in the long run and, and build a rapport with my borrowers, or not my borrowers, but the uh, investors that dealt with me. And to this day, we're friends with all of them. Finally got rid of them all wrote a check to the attorney. We finally were able to capitalize on it and finally get it sold. We sold the two of them that we took back. Um, the donor financing, the local agents who took over the project because they live in the neighborhood, they live in the areas. And you know, what we ever could sell, we finally sold and, and profit from that to pay off other things. But we finally exited the deal by just, like I said, I know I'm going to take a loss and let's get these things sold and I'll make it up and, and work our way through it. Can you remember that day, the day that the, the last signature was done on that deal? You know? I do. And I'm, my hair is standing up on the back of my neck right now. I feel how great it was to kind of be done with it, to be yeah. done with that anchor or albatross of a weight around my ankles that really kind of fed to everything else that we were doing. Yeah. Stress is a stress is definitely a killer. And here in the United States is a big one, obviously compared to other parts of the world. But yeah, I mean, I, I had a point where, the stress was basically taking over my life. I couldn't focus on anything else until I came up with a plan. Once I came up with a plan, 
then I uh, uh, compartmentalized that deal. I said, okay, I've got this to be taken care of, this going to be taken care of, this chunk, this chunk. Let's move on. And most importantly, I didn't let my failure stop me from going out and buying another 130 other uh, assets that next 12 months right. uh, to make up for what I'd lost in my own funds from that deal. What lessons did you learn from this experience, this amazing experience? Man, big lesson. Um, always double check the legal proceedings. Talk with your, well, we talked to the attorney. I never asked the attorney, realistic, what's the worst case? Well, we thought average and we never planned for the worst case of that aspect of it. Second thing, man, second thing, I, I think we could have maybe done a little bit better in reaching out to the tenants and the bars. I think our, maybe our attorney was a little strong-armed in some cases, but that, I take the responsibility for that because they, they're who I hired to take that. So uh, I think the biggest thing is, could I have easily filed bankruptcy? Could I have easily, in that entity, just filed bankruptcy and, and walked away and stuff like that? Yeah, I could have, but that it, it wouldn't have been good for my investors. It wouldn't have been good for me in the long run. And I'm glad, actually, that I paid off the investors. I, I'm glad that I took care of them. Now, because I, I see them in different places, I talk with them, and I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and call them. And some of them have reinvested with me in other deals. Some of them are like, uh, eh, I'll, I'm going to stick to something else. I'm like, that's completely fine. That's fair. Not a problem at all. Uh, but the biggest thing is being able to sleep at night and look at yourself in the mirror. That was the, the biggest thing. I, there were days I was just stressed out. I'd be excited that, hey, we're going to sell an asset or the, the judge is going to rule in our favor. And then my attorney would come back and tell me, nope, we've got another 90 days. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So the best thing I can tell people is you know, definitely talk to people that are having to foreclose in a specific area here. For the most part, I've learned not to buy in Cook County, as I call it, Crook. I will buy in other parts of Illinois, but I have avoided the most corrupt county in the country and avoided uh, Chicago. Letting things cool down often is a better play on things. Coming from a open place, because if you're aggressive, you're going to get back aggressivity. You know, you're going to get people back that are going to mirror uh, your actions. And so if you want aggression, be aggressive. If you want somebody to be passive or a little bit more laid back, come into it with a situation and answers. Uh, totally agree with that. And I think you have to look at a variety of different things. And under, like I said, understand sometimes you're going to win them deals and sometimes you're not. Not everybody's going to hit it out of the park every time. And I think thinking back to that deal, you know, I was excited about it. We were all excited about it. I think we got a little bit drunk on the returns we thought we were going to get versus spend a little bit more time digging a little bit. I think we were looking for yeses versus really trying to find the no not to do the deal. Based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> Whether on the price or the returns, that would be the biggest thing. Yeah, if, it's, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, I would also, the second thing I would look, uh, and I'm a big believer in this, is to seek counsel versus asking for advice. You know, everybody can give you advice out there. Your baker, your butcher, the candlestick maker can give you advice. But if they've never walked in the shoes of where you're wanting to go or deal in the deals that you want to do, their, their advice is really worth nothing. So go out and talk to the people that have bought in those areas, have invested in the things that you're looking at, and, and talk to them and seek counsel. There's good and bad to every side of every deal. If somebody's only giving you the good reasons or only giving you the bad reasons, they probably haven't walked in those shoes. So talk with somebody, get counsel, 
weigh the risks. If you can't, I mean, if you can't afford to lose that money in investment, then you should not be investing with it, period. And that's what I would say. Last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? Man, my goal for the next for the next 12 months. We are, golly, 2018 was an interesting year in, in a good year. 2019 is shaping up to be a, a really great year as well. I would say in 2019, um, we're, we're really taking stress out of it. You talk about removing stress. I like the idea of removing the word stress, but removing some of the things. In the last 24 months, we've removed a lot of stress. I'm not traveling there as much. Uh, I'm doing mostly things remotely or online these days, and we see an increased action in that with us really kind of removing the, the need to travel to fly. I, I spent so much in the last five years of on planes and speaking that we're really doing a great job of, of removing and trying to have everything basically focused around our webinars, like what we're using to record this with Zoom, online events, or even leveraging our podcast uh, to help us drive more business into, into what we're doing. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Scott, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know it's painful <laughs> talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for our audience? You will always learn more from your failures than you will from your victories. Um, the biggest thing and the best thing you can do is to take action. Uh, take action in what you're doing of either going one way or another in your, your direction investment. Learn from the experts. Uh, go out, subscribe to this podcast. Andrew does an amazing job. Leave a review out there. But best thing I can tell you is learn to take action. If you're constantly sitting back and sitting back and sitting back waiting to make a decision, that decision will end up being make it, made for you. So I wrote a book a couple years ago. It's basically on how to buy distressed debt. Or it's, I have a book called How to Buy Real Estate at 40% Off or More. And I've got a, uh, it's a 73 page, easy to read uh, ebook that we'd love to give away to your audience free. It's $19.99 on Amazon, but free to anybody that's interested in that. Um, either you can go to your website for the link or do you want me to give a link also as well? Yeah, yeah either way. Uh, really easy. It's Note. If you just go to www.noteblueprint.com slash free book, you can download it. And uh, the 73 page book is there of all sorts of tips what note investing is, what buying distressed debt, the good, the bad, the ugly. So that is there for you to uh, enjoy. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.